Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Northwest podcast. Uh, on this episode, I'm sitting here with uh, Chase Brockett and uh, Ben Harkins. Uh, absolutely amazing guys. And we just got done recording it, but we're now we're doing the intro. So what what sort of warning or description do you want to give to this episode? Uh, this if, is Chase. This is Chase. I am Chase Brockett. I've been uh, drinking and uh, <laughs> am, and am sleep deprived. I'm both of those things. So take that with a grain of Ambien. Yeah, this will definitely be an after party episode. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ben Harkins. And he's a comedian Gotham uh, needs, not the one it deserves. <laughs> I don't believe in Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> my name is Ben Harkins. We're gonna edit this, so my voice. So this is the first thing I said, and let's start it from three, two, one. My name is Ben Harkins. Don't trust snakes. All they want to do is bite you. <laughs> and fuck you and your stupid face. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Three, <laughs> two, one. My name is... <laughs> All right, everybody. Hold on. My name is Ben Harkins. I'm a comedian from Portland. Don't trust snakes. Smoke weed every day. Can I do a regular one? I'm crying. All right, everybody. Enjoy the episode. All right. So Ben didn't like that intro, so he wanted to take his own run at it. So here we go. This is Ben's attempt at his own intro for this episode of the Comedy Northwest podcast. <laughs> go. Hello. <laughs> Hold on. Three. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> Hello. That sounds different when I'm trying to. Not. Okay, hold on. <laughs> My name Hello. is Ben Harkins. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. Keep record. Three, two, Ben, Ben, one, Ben, Ben. I believe in you. Right? I believe in you. you I, believe. I believe in Ben Harkins. I believe in Ben. It's All right, happening. here we go. It's happening. All right, I'm going to count it down. Five, four, three. What? Hello. My name is... <laughs> <laughs> it's over. We ain't getting no, small yeah and you keep the stretch marks yeah and it's like a pretty like and like girls feel self-conscious about that and you don't have to welcome to the comedy northwest podcast everybody (laughs) (laughs) stretch marks oh 
I, I had no idea that our conversation was going to start with that. Um, <laughs> but it's the best. I, you know, I don't know. Um, stretch marks. I feel like it's a small to big thing. Um, when a person gains weight or mass too quickly, the skin starts to stretch and the stretch mark is scarring from yeah. the skin ripping. Yeah. Like, Lower layers from getting bigger, yes, but then you lose the weight and the stretch marks stay. But they didn't come from getting smaller, they were they came from getting bigger and then they remained while getting smaller. It's not like when you light plastic on fire in a campfire and it like shrinks and crinkles. But the point of the Cat Williams joke is that they stay and either way, we're fucking, (laughs) and I think that's a really uh positive statement that he made. And that, and that yes. means a lot to me to make <laughs> to make these girls feel good about like, uh, hey, mo- like, really, are you going to turn a girl down? Because like, hey, she had some like little no. like scars or like little little slash marks on her tummy. Give me a fucking break. Uh, there's a Who difference fucking between a scar away and that? a slash mark, by the way. <laughs> yeah. If it's a slash, slash mark. mark <laughs> okay. That's... I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like a fucking. Oh, did you lose a lot of weight? No, I was attacked. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> yeah, somebody so. by, uh, stabbed me. By a guy with of... a machete that he bought in. Uh... It was a cutlass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy he bought like a. A machete out of a zigzag organ. Clearly, I didn't mean it like a... But the thing is, like, also, if a girl has scars, that's not a turnoff. I think that's, like, kind of cool. Especially if it's something that you only find out about when they're naked, because that's a secret that they're giving to you. Secret scars. Yeah. That's a secret that they're giving to you. Secret scars was the worst Disney kids show. (laughs) Secret (laughs) scars. With with Larissa Olenek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was a Nickelodeon actor But she briefly worked with Disney To do secret scars Well you know like I, I think scars look good on girls too yeah. It's like a universal thing Where they look good on dudes But I think they look good on babes Do you, do you have any scars? I My most prominent scar Is my middle finger on my right hand Yeah If you see What happened there? The difference yeah. I was roughly Five, six, seven years old. I was. <laughs> You're gonna say roughly fondled. <laughs> I was roughly fond. Yeah, I was roughly fondled. <laughs> um, like a hall monitor. <laughs> like you get out of here. But also, I like your hands. Uh, no, I was over at the neighbor's house. Uh, we were cutting wood. We were being helpful to our dads, cutting yeah. wood for them. And I put a block of wood down, and I did not clear it in time, and cut my finger. Huh. Uh, I think it was seven stitches, seven or eight stitches. Oh, wow. um, it stayed on, but now it's all fucked up. That's a good, but you're like doing something masculine. You're like moving wood. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know what? I never looked at it that way. Yeah. I am very grateful for that, actually. The scars are never like not cool. Because the like- rest of my life after that is just one feminine thing after <laughs> another. That's what I am. I'm, I'm the, I, I've got one scar. I got a scar on my... Uh, eyebrow is from a my stepsister swinging into my face with a wooden swing. Oh god! And then I and on my elbow from when somebody threw away glass and I ended up puncturing myself on that glass. So I wasn't doing anything but getting in the way. Yeah, yeah. So my scars were getting in the way. 
I have a scar directly on my butthole <laughs> from not treating a rash for like two years because I was really? too embarrassed to uh, go to a doctor. Because I like, how do you like if you've never had to do that before? It's not easy to go yeah. to a doctor and be like, hey, look all the way at my butthole. <laughs> I've been scratching the shit out of this shit when I've been asleep. And, um, it just every day I wake up and now there's uh, now there's blood and I have to fucking uh, I have to do something about this and uh, I had this thing where I was like I'm gonna just figure this out I'm gonna figure this out on my own for like two years it's not like I wasn't doing anything about it but I was like I'm gonna bring rubbing alcohol with me to work and every time I have to take a shit I'm just gonna fucking throw the rubbing alcohol on on my uh, <laughs> rashy butthole, and uh, I blacked out one time <laughs> because it hurt so bad. And I had this vision, <laughs> like while I was blacked out, that I'm actually I'm not making this shit up. I'm vision. not making this. Up. I had like a vision where I like I got the tunnel vision where like blacked out, and I I saw like a toilet, I saw a toilet in front of me, and Sitting on it was like uh, like uh, a person wearing the same clothes that I was. It was like an out of body <laughs> experience, but like the face wasn't mine. It was my uh, dead grandma's face, <laughs> and she just said, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I, went, I was just like at work. I was a janitor at the time. I had just cleaned the toilet <laughs> that I got on and blacked out on. And I just shook it off. I'm like, oh, fuck, 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 shit. Uh, I think I have to go to the doctor. <laughs> I think I have to go to the doctor. Maybe I have cancer. And it turns and I would go to the doctor and they're like, you have a fungal infection. <laughs> like, and they gave me cream and it was gone in two weeks. I dealt with that shit for like two years because I was too ashamed to go to the doctor. <laughs> It was bad. It's hard to like go to somebody and like if you've never had to do that before and like talk about your butthole, like all the way on the butthole. Yeah. Like, no, I need you to stare into it. Do you guys even (laughs) relate to this or is this just funny to you? It's funny. No, I could never like I could never. I could never. Here's the thing. This is why I'm a shy guy. It, I was with uh, I was with one woman. We were together for eight years, and we never farted in front of each other. What? I know. I understand. That is the just first waited. thing I do with a woman. Now the last the last the relationship. First? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't be with a woman actually, if she can't good, be in the room when I fart. I, actually, you might as well get it out of the way. Yeah, but go on. No, I. <laughs> but we just were never like that level. And then the last girl that I just dated, uh, it was within like a couple days, and she was the first one to pop her lid. And so I was like, <laughs> well, I guess here we go. And uh, and it opened me up to. Uh, she really, she really, you know, she really softened me. That's good. One of my favorite <laughs> fart jokes uh, that I've written is pretty much based on that. Yeah. Which is uh, my punchline. I use it for a yoga joke. Yeah. Um, in yoga, um, apparently one of the things is uh, when somebody farts, you just let it go. Yeah. See, I didn't know that my first time in yoga. So when somebody farts, where I come from, when somebody farts, you laugh, you laugh hysterically and turn it into a competition. <laughs> so that's that is that is how I define that. So that's why I feel that passing gas, you just fart harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it's about, you know, if, it, I don't know. Okay. The, here's where I draw the line. Yeah. I come I, from a world of soft farts. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the worst. Hey, you soft always, farter. It was always silent. Where it's just like, except for my father. He was shameless with that. That's the first line of the fifth Mad Max movie. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in a world of soft farts. (laughs) Except for my dad, he was my father. No, your father. My father was shameless. Pride nose. Mad Max. Mad Max Five. Shameless farter. (laughs) It was weird that my father was like this guy. It was just like he'd like, just like burp, like all the way, and it was just like. We were expected to not laugh or say something. Oh yeah, and that became apparent. Well, like the Queen's Guard for a while. Yeah, he's like we're training. You were saying uh, for you there was like a you you were saying something. There was like a I don't know with farting. There's a farting limit. Oh, uh, okay. So farting together, that's a thing. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, if I don't do it intentionally then it's just going to be that much worse when I do it in my sleep later that night. Yeah. So I might as well just get it out of the way, if anything. Uh, But I can be in an adjacent room while the girl's peeing, but I draw the line at poo. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to know that my significant other poos. Yeah. Like, I never want to know that. Yeah. Uh, And as far as I know, uh, my girlfriend... Does not poo. Yeah. I don't uh, want to know that about me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've got to deal with it yourself. You do, but you're just you, kind of going to live France. in denial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there is that line. And it's, like, it's like when I do it, it's like, that, uh, it's like Norman Bates's mother. She's just like, no, we're going to deal with this in Bates Motel, the TV series. And, and you're just, no, 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 we got the, we'll just take care of it. And then they sweep it on the rug. And then I'm a weird man. The closest thing to you religion. and four other people are keeping that show on TV right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched it on Netflix. So, oh, which is even better. Yeah. All right. The closest thing to like religion or prayer that I have is taking like a gnarly shit because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so alone. <laughs> I'm so alone, and I'm like communicating with my body in ways, <laughs> and just I, I just hear like the indifference <laughs> of the universe and I'm like one with like the curvature of the earth <laughs> I'm just like oh living I'm uh, Astrodomus living fuck <laughs> uh, it just it, 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 I just I, I'm <laughs> feeling things where I don't have nerves to feel <laughs> just like oh living okay and you just and afterwards you just you're just like you're discovering like, chakras. You just, you just like you just have like sweat like behind your eyes. You're just like, oh, what are you doing? It's religious. It's religious. It's just like holy shit. Like have some mini weeds, man. What are you? It's not terrible shits either. They're You're just sweating. significant. You're you got a twitchy eye. You're sweating. It feels good. I don't know. I like it. I like the purging of the weight. That's the worst Purge sequel, by the way. <laughs> that franchise can fucking end now. The first two is just a crime spree. The last time is just a really bad. Did they uh, do more than Chiquito. two of those? That's unfortunate. So far, it's just two. Not like pooping. <laughs> it's so important. 
It's Everybody very does it. Yeah. Everybody like, and you know what? Women it. poop, and you know what? It's not <laughs> sexy that we do this, but it's not limited to women. You know, it's a, like we like dudes, like <laughs> dudes poop. It's not sexy that we poop either. So you know, like we get, we understand. It. You know, like it's fine if your girlfriend poops. I would just like to go out of the way and say it's fine if your girlfriend poops. <laughs> On the record, I think that's great that girlfriends poop because <laughs> we all have to fucking. What the fuck? Where else is it gonna go? <laughs> it's good. It's good that we're doing this. I think that this is really good for everyone. It is. Men I, and women. <laughs> fuck the patriarchy or some shit. You know, it's good. It's good that girls poop. It's not sexy that either of us poop. It's not sexy when it, I don't. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable anywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like shitting at a venue, going to like a venue and then having to like shit. And it's. That's my Everest. That, like, that's like an obstacle for you. Yeah, that's me going, all right, I've got to scale this and I got to. I can understand that. I too. do. It's a vulnerable possession of being. Have you ever been to. Uh, there was a club in Tacoma Grit City. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? I have it was, not. It was. They had this stall and I, uh, went, I was up there with Zoltan and. It, the, the stall, they had one stall that didn't close all the way, there was no light above it. <laughs> But I was like, I just, I have to shit. And so I'm like doing this weird yoga move over and there's, it's just so, it was the most terrifying, but that was the first time at a venue that I was like, I, we just, this is going to happen. And so I think that, I think that really uh, broke me open metaphorically and, (laughs) and, uh, but yeah, it's terrible. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm just a shy person. I'm shy about the weirdest things. I'm not shy about a lot of stuff. Thing is, like sh- taking a shit. That's the closest thing to privacy that exists anymore. It's really important. Yeah, but somebody's filming it. Someone's. Filming I just it. assume somebody's filming it. Anytime I'm in anywhere, I assume that's that's the way I go through life now. <laughs> that's how I used to feel when I believed in God. I have the same thing. When I believed in that's God, that's how I felt. Truman syndrome. Oh, that's a good. I like the way. I like that. Yeah. It's I just I just go whatever I'm doing somebody's gonna watch it at some point yeah and then and then I just that's how I process my life I just go somebody's gonna see it uh, it all started in probably middle school for some reason being the crazy person that I am got it in my mind that the any girl that I liked yeah. suddenly had the ability to become invisible. <laughs> Like the Invisible Man sort of yeah, deal. Yeah. I mean, if you were invisible, the first thing you're going to do is go spy on girls, right? Uh, Come yeah, on. When I was young, yeah. Yes. Now I got different priorities. But yeah, when I was young, I would be like, uh, oh, boobies. Do you, though? I feel like you would still find some time. No, I'd find time, but it wouldn't Every be the opportunity. first thing I would do. It wouldn't be the if first thing I'd do. The, the first thing I would do would be like, what are other comics about saying about me? <laughs> and then the second thing I would do is probably boobies, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> no, no, I would do the stereotypical bullshit if I turned invisible. I'd just yeah. get that shit oh, out of the God. way. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Victoria's Secret, do some cheesy shit. Yes. Just like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's doing she's doing bras. <laughs> it's 
Come on. Because <laughs> I'm a fucking... So, you, wait, I want to hear about it. So, you you um, you thought that this was a power that these women that yes. you into had? Okay. And then the movie, The Truman Show, came out. Mm-hmm. And then it was that. It was now that. Yeah. So, my life was some sort of TV show that everybody yeah, yeah. was watching. Um, I actually wrote a little bit of uh, material about it. About just how I... I don't know, just carried myself differently when I was alone. Yeah. Uh, punchline being, I and I stopped masturbating as much, <laughs> sort of a deal. Because, I mean, I was still, you know, a teenager. Yeah. I can't stop altogether. No, you just got to schedule it now. You're like, all right, that's, this is Thursday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I thought of it in the sense of, uh, you know, I've got to spice it up a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm competing with, you know... Uh, Skinamax and whatnot out there at this point. People can watch that. They might as well watch me. Um, when you're really, because you don't want to phone it in. Yeah. You don't want to be sitting there just like, you know, half masked. Yeah. Yeah. You. But the point that I get to is if I was a TV show or movie or something like that, what genre would it be? And I figured it out. It'd be a very, very depressing porn. Okay. Slowest porn ever. Yes, <laughs> because like a I, slow art, like a European m- art movie porn, m- mostly m- solo male, um, <laughs> right? Because the most desirable of the. <laughs> yes, I mean, how is that not the top search on every porn site? Yeah, solo, solo male. Yeah, it, that's only if the F and the E aren't working on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. Um, but I was like, yeah, (laughs) nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. So that's what cured me of that mindset was I actually started thinking about my life minute to minute. And I was like, there is no way anybody would ever watch this willingly. Yeah. I was like, boom, cured. I never had that feeling ever again of being watched. So, so you, that's how you cured your feeling of being watched was by realizing how boring it is. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people go through that. I feel like a lot of people go through that. Like yeah. they see clerks for the first time yeah. and they're like, oh, it's just like a regular, li- like yeah. this movie is just like how we are, man. You yeah. know, we're just like guys, you know, like hanging out and like, you know, we all have these shitty jobs that we don't like and like they see clerks or, or something like that and, uh. They're just like, oh, wow, like, what if we just made a movie about our lives, man? And then, what, like, if you sit down to do it, that's a difficult yeah. thing yeah. to read oh. after you wrote it. After Have you what done you that? did that day. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's how I got <laughs> better like at personal. writing. That's how I got better at writing was realizing, oh, right. Most of this shit is bullshit. And, yeah. like, no, there's no reason why anyone would care about. This kid, yeah, with the rash. (laughs) (laughs) Ass rash sounds like the uh, like a really cool metal band, though. I I feel like I would give that band a chance. I'm not into metal, but I feel like like I'd give that country metal, country like fusion. I got ass rash. I got tickets to ass rash. You want to come down Saturday at the Crystal Ballroom or something like that? Yeah, but once you come, once you like read something like from somebody who's like lived a mundane life and had like a unique like perspective on it, it's like you're like, oh, okay, so maybe I could actually just get a better mind about it, like Harvey Pekar or something. Have you guys heard about that? He was that American Splendor. 
Oh guy, yeah, Paul yeah. Giamatti yeah, yeah. played him in that in that movie. I don't know that. He was one. this guy who used to work with Robert Crumb, who was like a comic book guy, like the okay. original like underground comic book guy, and he would just sort of write about like going to jury duty. <laughs> and like the lessons he learned from like going to jury duty, but he was a guy like he had a mundane sort of picture life. Garfield, but just a man, <laughs> a Garfield man. <laughs> yeah, just I hate Mondays, lasagna, boom. That's it. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I can imagine a lot of that. He would come at like, uh, <laughs> but he would come at like um, these mundane life things with sort of a profound life lesson, yeah. like where he'd be like. Okay, so I went to jury duty, and I realized I didn't want to do jury duty because I think jail is just school for criminals, and like this whole thing yeah. is uh, kind of bullshit. Maybe the justice system is like deeply flawed, <laughs> and he wouldn't be like preachy about like the particulars of it, but yeah. just sort of what he had to do with it. And I was like, when I read his shit, I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I'm a fucking idiot at 16. <laughs> I've never, I'm not even eligible for fucking jury duty. It's like, I, I don't have a, I've never, I've never actually really paid for anything except for Slurpees and lightsabers. It, <laughs> it's like I'm a fucking, I'm a lame, oh, I'm a lame person. Yeah. I remember the day that I had a Slurpee and lightsaber. It was the, it was the double ended one, Darth Maul one. I was the only one in my neighborhood, my neighborhood, who could fight. Really? With one of those. Ah, oh, come on. Those are yeah, bad they'd come at me with wolfle bats, and I'd be like, "Oh, you want to strike this side? <laughs> Boom! Here's another <laughs> side." And I thought I was really smart. Yeah. I thought I, I thought I was the shit by saying hey, I've got two sides to the sword. No, that Dar- I was like that Darth Maul shit. I could beat Darth Maul. <laughs> a better Darth Maul. <laughs> And well, like, you know how you beat a fictional character, right? And, like, I can't... That dude never said anything. He's not even really a character as much as just some shitty obstacle in <laughs> that movie. And just like, wow, like, yeah, no, I'm going to be like Darth Maul. And you know what? I think motorcycles are cool. And you know what? If you don't listen to Motorhead, you're an idiot. That was my outlook and fucking... Like high school, I was just like, yeah, you know, I bet Darth Maul would like Motorhead. <laughs> I, I still did lightsaber fights in high school, for the record. My, was the thing. what was my like? How's that? Yeah. My high school outlook was a transition between me being really religious and then not being religious. And uh, so it was me justifying Blink-182 lyrics. Go like, all right, how is this like okay with God, though? <laughs> like, that's what I did for like I would say fifteen to sixteen, and then seventeen I was like I got into bigger questions. But uh, it's that yeah that was about that was about it. I, was I like, actually, how can I justify how can I justify Eminem to Jesus? I actually had like a really <laughs> profound experience when I used to like be into like God and all that stuff because you know I, I was never like into like Republican God. I was like I wasn't like I wasn't like okay yeah like the Bible yeah the Bible the Bible is oh, real. So Ronald Reagan. The the Bible is real. So burp, 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 you can't fuck people the way you want to. <laughs> like uh, that that didn't really cross my mind. But like I used to do mission work when I was in high school. Did you really? Summers. Yeah. yeah, I was in South Carolina. Did you do that too? I did. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And, and like, I, th- I thought I was supposed to be the 
<laughs> oh, you you thought was, you were I, you thought you were the square? That, no, that was group. my shtick. I was the guy who believed in Jesus and played in the church worship band and didn't understand that the songs that we were playing were just retooled versions of uh, "More Than a Feeling," <laughs> which is something that I didn't honestly know until about three years ago. When I heard it uh, at a bar, somebody played it, and I was like, "Why are they playing?" Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then it was more than a feeling, and <laughs> I felt like a huge idiot because I can be sometimes. Uh, you so you guys both did missionary stuff. So. My older brother was the bass player in a worship and praise band at the church. I was a guitar player, stuff. and then that shit was like hot for a minute. Yeah, because you know what. Those were like, I'd see those babes on Sundays and yeah. they're wearing their best shit. And I was like, holy fuck, like you're such a mega babe. Uh, I, I can't it believe It was this. so good to imagine what it would have been like to have sex with these people that it was, you're not going to, you're like, this would be good, but I'm a good Christian. So no, and it's so you just better because totally, I'm saying I don't want this. Yeah. Now I'm a good guy. Yeah. God. It's such a warped way to look at things. It's it, it's bizarre. Where did, wait, so hold I, on, hold on. Okay, I yeah. would like to finish this one thing where as I where I was like I, I used to do uh I was it was mission work in South Carolina where pretty much a bunch of white kids would go into this black suburb that was like sort of treated like it's called Calhoun <laughs> County. And um it, pretty much they would like it, it was a shitty suburb. <laughs> where people didn't have a lot of space or resources, so they sort of raised livestock in, like, a suburban-sized backyard where they'd have, like, chickens, and, like, they'd make chicken coops out of just, you know, like, two-by-fours, chicken wire. It's not that hard to build the stuff. Or, like, a car door, (laughs) shit like that. (laughs) Like, if you find some bullshit-ass car door, like, no, this is part of the chicken coop now. Can a chicken fit through this? No. No. Is it a a wall that... It can fit through, but it it can't operate the handle. Is it three and a half feet high? I don't think a chicken can beat this. (laughs) And, like, they can... They would, like... And they'd pick the good chicken, like, chop its head off and fucking eat that for dinner... That night, and it was weird because I never seen anything like that yeah. before. But I did that like one year when I was like sixteen, and then I went back the next year. And the house that I rebuilt with all the other like white mission kids, and we were all like, "Oh, holding hands, let's pray for everyone in the whole world that everyone goes to heaven." And I went back the next year. I was seventeen. I started listening to like the Sex Pistols at that point, <laughs> and I saw that the and we drove around. They're like, "Oh, that was the house that you guys built last year." It burned the fuck down <laughs> from an electrical fire because apparently, it, like they said, it got struck by lightning, and I don't <laughs> fucking believe that. I, I like yeah, and like that, but they, the, no, no, wait. Oh, one person said it was struck by lightning. Another person said it was like the wiring was bad, yeah. and they like ran some extension cables under a mattress or something and the thing like burned it's, down. It's definitely. It was just, I was just like, okay, so like I knew the three kids and the parents that lived there and their dogs <laughs> and all this stuff and like, okay, so we built that, we, we tore like the roof off and built a new roof on the thing. I'm a redhead for the record. <laughs> South Carolina in the sun Roofing, it's not that easy. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty fucking like I'm. I'm not that. Sh- I wasn't that strong at the time either. <laughs> Carrying shingles up a ladder with oh. one arm, and it's like okay, so that house lasted less than a year. Okay, 
Oh, so like, uh, there's no God. That's oh, I, I get it. I get it. I get it now. It's like it makes it all makes sense. I started listening to the Sex Pistols and No Effects, and I uh, and uh, the the house burned down. So either there's no God or he's just a dick. So here we yeah. go. It all makes sense. Now. What was it? Yeah. So you did missions. I'm curious now because I, I have such a hard time finding people who went through the whole uh, the the actually involved. I knew people who grew up religious, but they were like, and eh, we kind of went there and then we didn't. But like, I was there like four days a week. I'm sorry. I want to know you. If we're competing, for we're not competing. I we're commiserating. Beaver Cleaver here. All right. <laughs> Here is my Andy Griffith. The title for the night. I'm, I'm going to raise you. I'm going to raise you five years of 4-H and FFA. Thank you. Wait, 4-H, that's livestock. Yes, it raising. is. What's FFA? FFA Future is... Farmers of America. I had a friend. My friend was in there. There you go. Yeah, she, she that's, ah, yeah. Yes. Did I you was... do it for Jesus? <laughs> no. That's what, you know what? should be about Jesus. <laughs> I'll make everything about Jesus. Let's make this on. podcast about Jesus. All right. Did you wait? So, you, but you said you did mission work. I did. And what did you do? What was um, your thing? I was, I, I guess I technically still am because they never sent me a, you know, you're no longer a member of the club letter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a member of the Presbyterian church um, in Mount Vernon, Oregon. Oh, um, another old school TV reference. Have you ever watched Green Acres? Yeah, actually. All right, that Arnold the pig, right? That is pretty much what Mount Vernon is. Yeah, it's yeah, just a little be. farm town out in eastern Oregon. No big deal. Um, but uh, I attended the Redmond Presbyterian Church, which went on a mission trip to Mount Vernon, Oregon, which is again. They are in no need of extra help of anything of any kind. Yeah. There is no, there's no plight. There is no um, famine. There's just kids at in the summer that are slightly bored. It's just the safest mission. They're like, we want you to do God's work, but, you know, in a confined space. Yeah. Where nothing can get to you. So we vacation did. Vacation Bible school. We did vacation <laughs> Bible school. Yes. Oh, okay. Quite, this is uh, Halloween. What did you guys have for Halloween? We had the Hallelujah Fair. Did you guys have any alternative? My mom still does the vacation Bible school. Oh, my it, God. And it's just kids singing. It is. It really is. It's it's uh, when I got old enough to like help out, like when I was in middle school. So these were all elementary school. I started to become a part of it and I could help out, which was more interesting for me than being a part of it. It was just it's like so you can boring. swing a hammer, but you can't make decisions. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, that's when I started getting into it. But. Once I switched over from being a child to being part of the crew, I could just stand in the back and watch what was going on, and it was very culty. Yeah. <laughs> very culty. Hindsight is very culty. <laughs> in Presbyterian stuff? Yeah. Oh, shit. Even in Presbyterian. But see, that's the thing, is that the the uh, itinerary of Vacation Bible School is not a Presbyterian um written thing yeah. uh it's almost a catholic written thing and they send it out to any sort of Catholic. somebody's making a lot of money oh off of vacation god yes Bible oh god there's yes. one person who's just like yeah all the way 
All the way to the fucking bank. Yeah. I, I wish I wish your Bible gesture. School. I wish that would uh, translate to the audio. I'm just rubbing my fingers together, <laughs> shaking them around the All microphone. Right. He looks like a tiny crab. <laughs> I look like a crab. Pincers. And if, instead of doing pincers, it was just rubbing. Yeah. Just yeah, rubbing dollars. Pincers. Just rubbing dollars in my hands. Salsa. <laughs> salsa. <laughs> Hey baby, we come back to my Salsa place. Crap. We get a little butter. We get a little. We get a little bit of. We we jump into the hot tub for a little yeah. bit. Mm. No, 20, 22 minutes. But for maybe. real though, Nothing that is an that. easy way to make money. I would like to send this message out to the world. Like if you just write some bullshit and then instead of making it about you, make it about Jesus. Yeah, that's all you're you gonna to- sell that shit. And you're gonna sell it to every fucking church in every fucking state because the churches they'll they'll, they'll jump. If on. I wrote a Degrassi Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They would totally because that it, shit's gonna get eaten up. They're gonna watch it in the summer, so I'm like, oh my god, whenever. Jesus got shot at that school <laughs> shooting and had to be in a wheelchair for a minute before he healed himself. Uh, and the, it would be, the, I, I'll bet you I could make at least at $20, least twenty thousand dollars. At least twenty thousand. Oh, twenty. I was gonna say I think, at least twenty. I think I yeah, could live for a, right. like a like. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> for those of you tuning in, <laughs> ignore what I just said. No, you're right. Because you don't that's, write that that's shit. That's what Creed did. That's how Creed that got that so shit. downloaded this podcast and jumped to this point in time. Please explain for the audience. <laughs> They're like, uh, do you have never any mind. idea what's going on right now? Never mind. I'm just saying if we wrote a show <laughs> that was essentially the same as Degrassi, but added some Jesus ass bullshit to it, <laughs> yeah. we would probably be able to sell that to every vacation bible school oh, yeah. in can, the country which you know what that's just a wide that's wide demographic that's how creed got so popular is because they say god a couple times or make a, a, a or like, illusion. oh no it wasn't about a girl it was about god mm-hmm. there's a place of god there's a place since we're on the god stuff there's a place i found out up in it's in washington that this church is based out of but here's um i it, I was living in San Diego in my apartment. Uh, my refrigerator started to have some issues. So my landlord called some guy to come fix it. Some guy they work with. He's like their in ha- He's like their stock uh, refrigerator the repair guy. guy. Yeah, he's a handyman. So he comes in, he's fixing stuff and he's finishing up. He calls me. He's like, Hey, can you come in here for a second? So I go out of my room, go into the kitchen and he sees, and I felt bad at first because on our, somebody had left this on my roommate's car, but it was just a pamphlet. It was a Jehovah's Witness pamphlet. But just the picture on the front was just so funny that we just kept it on our fridge. What it was, was uh, a full color pamphlet. And in the foreground was a black couple wearing scrubs and just sitting kind of looking off. One of them looked like Oprah. The other one was just some dude. And then uh, in front of them were like sunflowers and like a bushel of apples and pumpkins, which is weird. Did it say anything? Yeah, it said it said uh, all suffering soon to end. If you opened it, it was just Bible stuff. And what the? It, no, it was just it was just Bible stuff saying like don't worry about things. Things are gonna happen. Uh, it, it like it was like it was normal. 
It was normal. But there were pumpkins and apples. Weird. In the background was uh, just some blonde white woman on a white steed. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was like a cabin and some elk. It's a weird picture. I thought it was funny. We posted it up. So he sees this. He goes, hey, uh, refrigerator's all fixed up. Uh, You mind if I ask you a personal question? (laughs) And I immediately check for all the windows. And I'm like, are the blinds open? Is the door unlocked? Uh, Because when they find my body, I want it to be quick. But he goes, I felt bad because he goes, oh, were you raised Jehovah's Witness? And so here I am insulting this guy's religion. Um, at least I thought so he goes we raised Jehovah's Witness and I was like oh no I just I just kind of like the picture I thought it was a good (laughs) I thought it was a good picture they had a good thing going and then he says he goes (laughs) he goes oh okay because God's real but theirs is wrong and then he reaches into his tool bag and pulls out his own pamphlet so it's like he came into my house (laughs) yeah Wait, he's like undercutting the other uh, yeah. the, the other pamphlet? It's like he came into my shop and I'm like carrying Pepsi and he's just like, cola's the real true, the Coca-Cola's the real true cola. And so he's trying to upsell me on God. Like, yo, they said God. Yo, you want to meet the real God? That's what he was. He was upselling it. He hands me, and I traced it back. It's someplace in Washington. I wish I had that pamphlet with me, but it's a Xerox, it's a Xerox pamphlet. And the, the picture on the front, compared to the elaborate one from the Jehovah's Witness thing, this was, it was just like the back of some kid's head, and it was hand-drawn Xerox, and uh, in, like, in the background was a beehive with bees swarming around it. And uh, it said something on the front, and I was like, I have to read this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what did it say? I, I swear to God, for a week I laughed. <laughs> what did it say? I I open it and it's by the way it's written by a white couple is I think it was Jeremy and Diane Benson I think that goes without saying so, that but the name was Jeremy and Diane Benson <laughs> but it's important <laughs> the whitest names ever it's important to the story yeah it's a uh, Jeremy and Diane Benson the reason it's important is because it's about a Mexican kid named Pedro uh, living in I quote a, an arid Mexican town. Undisclosed, just an arid Mexican town, you know. And uh, the story is about this kid. Basically, the the point of the story is to say, is this kid learns about the example of Jesus and why Jesus died for him. So the point was to say, it was like, why did Jesus die for me? And here's the reason. So that was what they were trying to say. Here's how they said it. It's Pedro, grew up in an arid Mexican town. He, uh, he's walking to school one day. He sees some friends of his throwing rocks at a beehive. And they're like, you should throw rocks with us. And he's like, nah, mom says that'd be wrong. And so he goes on his way. The next night, his dad's telling him about Jesus. He's just like, um, he died for your sins. This kid's like, I'm nine. Why did he do that? <laughs> and he goes, well, he died because he loved you so much. And he's just like, I'm nine. I don't get it. And so the next day, he's walking back from school, sees this beehive. Um, and by the way, the level of detail in this thing was so fucking good. <laughs> it was like a, it was a watermelon-sized beehive, an arid Mexican town. It was just like all these little details. Uh, it was so good. 
Uh, and so he sees this, nobody's around this time. So he goes, surely nobody's going to know if I throw a rock. So he takes a rock, throws it at the beehive, hits. He's like, that feels pretty good. So he takes another rock, throws it at the beehive. The beehive falls, cracks open. So he starts running. Almost instinctively. Oh, by the way, it's describing the bees in this way. This is how it described it. It goes, uh, it goes across the way. There were rumors that this beehive would be taken down, which is a stupid rumor, right? A rumor that the beehive yeah. would be taken down. Yeah, like somebody's just like Karen. It's you hear someone who's out of touch with, <laughs> yeah, like the way things is done. I, like, what are you talking about? Like, hey, did you guys? Karen's been sleeping with Johnny, and then also <laughs> that beehive. Somebody's gonna that take that it beehive down. Beehive is gonna be taken down. And then she goes who to the describe. Fuck says that this woman. And then she goes to describe as the bees as uh, having one stinger apiece. You're like sitting there with some weird mutant bee. Like in your head, you're like, there's probably like at least one weird freak bee. <laughs> there's a bee with fucking... So, so that, <laughs> statistically speaking. Statistically speaking, yeah. there's a freak bee. He throws a rock, it drops down, breaks open, starts chasing him. His mom, quote, almost instinctively recognizes mm. his voice. Which is a weird, just a, uh, almost instinctively. She's like, is that my kid being chased by bees? It might be my kid. <laughs> uh, so this kid uh, is being chased by bees. And it starts describing how they find him. They attack him. They start, uh, in a quote, attacking him and stinging him with no sense of remorse. <laughs> which makes... Yeah, which That's makes you wonder about sick. the remorseful bee, which is, I, I read that and I thought about Jerry Seinfeld's bee movie. I thought I about that one remorseful I, bee. I, I immediately imagined like a Woody Allen bee. Yeah. What are we doing like, with the like, well, What's the point of the stinging? <laughs> what like, are we stinging this kid? And so they're stinging him. And so his mom, I quote, covers him in her long Mexican style dress. Mm-hmm. The quote, that's the exact long Mexican style dress is how she described the dress in this pamphlet. It's a pamphlet. It's not, <laughs> it's not a Michael Bay film. It's a pamphlet. And uh, so they're stinging. This is a story you're not going to hear anywhere else, motherfuckers. If you got the pamphlet, either you got the pamphlet, but you didn't get the pamphlet, or you're hearing it here. I want to hear the rest of this shit. This is actually... Kids running down his his driveway. The mother covers him in her long Mexican-style dress. And, (laughs) and, uh, And then the kid feels... Her lifeless body slumped on top of him because the bee stung her to death. Okay. Oh, shit. This that's, that's is a, a pamphlet. <laughs> they just came to your door. This, this is not a pamphlet. This, this the, the is re- a sign <laughs> from God. This is something the refrigerator that's repair a guy is kind of story. This is this third the third page in. Guy? The repair guy gave this to me. There's been a murder by bees. <laughs> The mother's swollen face and lifeless body slumped on top of this kid. And from that scene, cut to three days later at the funeral. <laughs> and the kid's just like, uh, the, and the dad uses this moment to go, your mother loved you so much. She sacrificed herself for you so you could live. That's what Jesus did for you. And he goes, I get it. And then accepts Jesus. That's this, some bullshit. The mom is dead. It's a that's sad, man. It's a pamphlet. Shit, you know There's what? A murder. Jesus didn't get stung by it's bees, man. Jesus didn't get stung by bees. 
this, this, these people thought that they're like, what if we murder the mother with bees? And that's how we're going to convince this nine-year-old kid who that's knows nothing else other than Pokemon that. cards and throwing rocks and be like, this is the only way we teach you. They couldn't have waited till he was like 15 and had cognizance. They were just like, let's kill his mom off. The theme of that... <laughs> this is the a pamphlet. The theme of that pamphlet is that you deserve to die and other people are going to die and it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's... That's pretty much what that is. Or it's like, to wear longer Mexican-style dresses. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because that means you get stung to death by bees and shit. No, but you got to get like two of them. Like one for <laughs> you to throw on top of you. If she wore both. You need a Mex- if she wore two dresses. A- if only she wore two dresses that day. You need a long Mexican-style hazmat. <laughs> you know what? I don't see the relevance of this story like, to anything. I, the relevance is my refrigerator repair guy gave it to me. I feel you know like Breaking what? Breaking Bad would have been a lot better show <laughs> with a Mexican style yeah. hazmat shoot. Hazmat shoot. Yeah. That's a hazmat totally suit. fucking. Is, you know Walter what? White was making tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> they had a tortilla factory that they had they as did, a choice. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they had picked the tortilla factory, he would have had a Mexican style hazmat suit. <laughs> so that, that's my story. That's that's that was it. I just I love sharing it. Shit, that's fucking. That's one of the rare. Uh, that's a, such a rare style story, man. I feel like we like know each other better now that we've shared this. I fucking love this. Holy that shit! That story shapes lives. Your yeah. lives are shaped. A somebody bit drew now. that whole thing. Somebody yeah. drew it. Somebody somebody read it and then went and was like, "We'll see what this is." Yo, about. this is some dynamite shit. Yo, yeah, it's like what Jesus did. Boom. And they're handing it to people's doors now. Don't love it. Don't fuck with Jesus. He'll send bees after you. <laughs> and then, and then it's gonna start this cult of people with long Mexican style dresses. I just it's love fucked it. up that the mom she, dies. Okay, you know that's a fucked up ending. You want to know what kind of fucked up? Is that I'm pretty sure that's the next Disney movie coming out. <laughs> right? What would that be? I want to. I want to write this movie. All right. It's called Bees. <laughs> B movie two, um, without Jerry Seinfeld, less Seinfeld, more bees. What's with this kid talking down our hive? Let's get him. Why do we only have one stinger <laughs> each? Have you ever seen that shit up close? Those nature documentaries where they fucking they're like, hey bees, like when they sting shit, they're ripping a part of themselves. Yeah, off. yeah. I feel, like, like, I feel like I feel like it'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm surprised bees didn't make it into the emo vernacular as much. Or the emo, the the culture of emo. Were you ever emo? <laughs> the culture of emo. Yeah, just like the Don't set. don't put it so elegantly. It is it does not deserve that whatsoever. I I, I, I was only it pretty much is like it's just, it's a whole bunch of dudes who acted the same way in different parts of the country. How do you explain that? It's culture. <laughs> That's what culture is. It's just like this weird ass thing that no one can really That's fucking explain because it just comes it like it's there and then you can't explain it and you're like as been here now. What was your mu- what was your high school junior high music? What was your where, where was your group? What did you fit in with? What did I fit? I was the non-group. Yeah. Um, my first couple years, I didn't have a group that I fell into. I was yeah. weird. 
That was awkward. Well, how um, were you weird? We don't have to get into it, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I feel like I can open up with you guys. Okay. Um, I was... I was nerdy. Um, I wasn't... I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pop culture enough. Pop cultural enough for the nerds. Yeah. Um, I wasn't smart enough for the geeks. I had absolutely no muscle density whatsoever for the jocks. Um, I didn't discover the theater kids until like halfway through my junior year yeah um so i sort of fell in with them towards the end but by the time i got to my senior year in high school i just didn't even care like i was just i wanted nothing no part of any of those people at that point you don't want to be defined yeah exactly um i don't know i I could always say that i was the class clown if anything because that's what we do um that's how I got out of math. We had <laughs> that's that's honestly one of the reasons I started comedy. We just I, would, I, I had math. I was terrible at it. We had one teacher who was so easily distracted. Me and my uh, two hours later, classmate, we were like, all right, by the end of the by the end of the year, we're gonna have gotten her off on a tangent that takes up the entire class. It's fresh press. Because you're going on these tangents that take up like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. I want to know what we're gonna get her for. Like we were talking about this earlier. A month in, we got that. Don't remember all the ingredients. You have a name I guess we have to listen. Delicious cocktail. But it was it was being bad at math. I was like, all right, I'll just say funny things to distract from the fact that I'm stupid. This one's a Harkins for the men's when it started me. No. We should call it like the saber Motherfuckers. That are good math. The Alaskan Thunder I have a joke about You know, I'm mad at the people who are good at math. No, so what do you normally do with this thing, though? Um, it's really this damn ideally is, yeah, is, is what I want. It sucks that you're not. If, if I'm not. If like the fact that I've had to go our brains work this yeah. far. This is 28 um, years marketed really, to really, people really damn shitty at math uh, that are <laughs> interested you know in stand-up comedy that either want to pursue it, it or change just want to learn more about or need a reason to not. Maybe I should take yes. a class or something. I should go and find a class. I'll come back to that in just a second. Banking I and medical kids are the <laughs> for all the kids. Banking and medical that are out there <laughs> I, um, on the internet. Listen to this. this the industries that are surviving. I, I, first of all, I pity them. If you'd like to donate banking to the Ben Harkins Banking and Medical Foundation, you just do those numbers. You just go all day. You're just thinking like about doing stand-up two, comedy. That? Is it four? Do yeah, banking or good. medical? Banking or medical? Some harder one after that. So you say, Mark, keep asking yourself harder math problems till you get really good. So I have like six or seven basic questions that I ask every time that are very, very open-ended and lend themselves to ten to fifteen-minute stories. You know what? Twenty-eight years. So you want to try and get through them really quickly? Let's do a lightning round. Right. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. Let's do this. Okay. Um, the guy so, was like, I could go and use some sleep, and all of a sudden now is like, yeah, let's get to this. Let's do it. It's a sad story. So if you want to donate to the I would like to. First question is, how long have you been doing comedy? Give me your money. Hey, started doing it. I love you. Like you two and a half years ago, I, I like when a friend took me to an open mic in Los Angeles. <laughs> but for the first like six months, all I did was I get shit faced and take my day out on yeah. in a room of people. I don't remember any of the jokes. Chase, uh, I started 
actually, I think I think I started about seven years ago, but I was doing it not very frequently. And then my eight-year-long relationship ended uh, about two and a half years back, and that's when I really started. So I was kind of going up a little bit, and then after after that ended, I was like, I need to bury myself in something. And that's why I'm here today. All right. Yeah. I guess you both sort of answered what propelled you into it, but what originally uh, sparked your interest in doing stand-up comedy? Ben? I saw that Doug Stanhope uh, could smoke cigarettes and stand up <laughs> at the same time. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You can like do something and be good at something and be smoking cigarettes the whole time that you're doing it? <laughs> I got to do this. I got to like, try it out. And then uh, I liked it. I was a middle child and bad at math. <laughs> I, I just needed attention I didn't get enough And I was like Let's What if I'm on stage And people have no choice So Basically like uh, Attention hostages I gotcha Yeah Captive audience And whatnot Yeah exactly um, uh, What is your uh, Writing process There are so, uh, Like myself I can jot down Just a quick note Yeah um, Bring it up on stage and then write it verbatim into my notebook of how I want to say it from then on. I've been, um, I, this is new. I used to write down like little bullet points and I would, uh, try to remember what I wanted to say around it. What I've done recently is I've started to take my jokes and try to figure out why I'm saying it. Like what's the point of the joke. Mm -hmm. And so I'll try to kind of basically come up with a thesis statement and if I could get that down, then I know what I'm trying to say. So I think you could talk around it and, and still make it funny without losing the point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, that's something I've been doing for like a, about a month now. And I, I kind of like it. I feel like it's changing the way I'm approaching it. But before I would just write down bullet points or little uh, one or two sentences and, and try to remember what I meant. <laughs> so Yeah. I work uh, 12-hour shifts in a junk mail factory next to the Portland airport. And uh, if you have 12 hours in a factory, I just uh, I'll read something online. And I'll get, like, kind of mad about it. And I, I start yelling at the machine. <laughs> and then I start yelling about what I read about earlier. And I'm like, okay, I think I can write that down. And... Uh, so I, I, I get mad, uh, mad about something irrationally and then I try to make sense of it and that's it. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's not funny and then the times that's funny, you do it again. Sometimes it works. Uh, so going back to what we were saying earlier about um, people that are interested or warning them. Um, so I want this to be either educational or warning for these yeah. people. So I like to ask this series of questions, mm-hmm. which is the warning, what is your worst gig ever? And then the hopeful, which is what is your best gig ever? So let's start with worst. What is your worst gig ever? Is it like a dream thing? No. Like, no what is the worst you've gig seen. you've ever done? You, the you worst gig that I ever done. did was, uh, it was like the Wichita Bar and Grill in Oregon City. <laughs> I went out there 
with a really good friend who was like, hey, we could do this show out of town and uh, let's go. And I was like, oh my God, a show outside of Portland. It was my first time, like, well, like, except for the L.A. stuff. But, like, when I, since I moved to Portland, and, and like, it, and I was like, wow, this is going to be crazy. And I went in there. There's so many people, and they're so much older than any audience I've ever performed in front of. It's all people with wives. And uh, my friend Jake goes up. He's hosting the thing. He's the guy who talked me into going out there. And he said... He, he makes this joke. He's like, uh, so who has like a gun in this audience? And someone from the audience is like, the audience is quiet. And one of the guys is just like, it's Oregon city. So it's like, and then he makes a joke about how uh, it's a really great joke that he does. I'm, I'd butcher it, but he's just like, Oh, well like, uh, so that doesn't, you could probably kick my ass. Like, you don't, we, nobody needs to prove anything here tonight. Okay. And mm -hmm. he does a good hosting thing. I go up, I'm still telling cheesy jokes about Batman, Star Wars, yeah, shit like that. I don't have adult stuff. I don't have a good, I have like a few good jokes. I don't know how to do time. I did 10 minutes in front of them. They didn't like any of my jokes. It's like 150, like, country-ass dudes there with their wives. When their wives laugh at my pussy jokes, <laughs> their husband's kind of, like, look at them. I'm just like, that's a really fucking oh, weird thing. And I, I, I didn't get any laughs. And that sucked. Wow. That was the worst gig. That, that's your worst gig? You're going to have worse. Yeah. Mine is, I, it, for a while, it was when I did a bachelorette party at a dog wash in San Diego. Uh, I was hired by a woman who I was like, you want to come see my set beforehand? She was like, no. Uh, <laughs> I just heard you did stand-up, so she was going to pay me, uh, pay me like 20 bucks and get free booze. And she said there was going to be a stripper there, like a lady stripper for a bachelorette party. I was like, cool. So the sh I was my opener was a drag king who went by the name Whiskey Dick, who lip sank a dang cook bit for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> no way! Yeah, in the back of a dog wash. There's so no people, like music. It's just a bit. It was a tiny amp so that you could hear his lips parting. He sounded like NPR. <laughs> so. So he does his thing, and then I do my jokes, which, I, I mean, I had some okay jokes, but it wasn't great. And it's for about eight people, um, two, uh, one woman who's getting married to some guy, and the rest is uh, just their friends. And so it was, like, very weird, and I got a couple pity laughs. And then afterward, I was like, I'm sticking around because I'm going to see boobies. I was told they're boobies. And then after about 45 minutes, they go, the stripper's not coming. And uh, and I had been drinking at this point. So she comes to me. She goes, yeah, I guess uh, she got in like, she goes, she's fine. But she got like a like a little minor car accident. And I, being drunk and unfiltered at the time, said, well, she, I guess she did end up wrapping around a pole somehow tonight. 
which was wrong, I get in retrospect. <laughs> At the time, it slipped out, and I was like, ah, thank you, sorry, and I walked away. That was my worst show. Until I moved to Portland. And I did a show at um, the Slide Inn. Wait, no, that's not it. What was it? The uh, someplace out on like 121st Street. And it was a uh, it's a it's a bar next to this like porn shop or something called the Peephole. And so next door we had. It was the first night of this show that was starting there, and it was called Comedy in the Hole. So we go inside, and it's the weird... I feel like the... I feel like they had to... The, the clientele had to audition to get into that, is the only way I could see. So there's this horse... Uh, this L-shaped bar. On the far end is a woman who's just yelling nonsense. The guy she's with, who's like um, there with her, there's a guy next to him. And some people are down the rest of the line. The woman, all, the condensed version is this woman's like kind of yelling some stuff and looks to the guy she's with who she's macking on the entire time. And she goes, something, something, but your gun, right? And he goes, shut up, shut up, shut up, because he's carrying a gun on him. The guy next to him is wearing sweatpants. And the entire time I'm up there is playing with his dick inside of his sweatpants like it's a trout that got on the boat that's trying to escape. <laughs> So it's just flopping around and he's just like in there and I don't know what's going on. The guy next to him offered me meth <laughs> in a non-fake way. Uh, and then there's this guy up front who's the only guy sitting like in the table area. He had been feeding dollars into this um, jukebox machine and was putting on a bunch of rap music. And as he put on like $10 worth of music, we go and shut it off and start talking about our bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so, and he looks like a guy and I'm just like he's gonna stab me and he didn't but so I'm trying to like in the middle of my set to kind of apologize to him and I go hey sorry about that we'll be done soon and he's like no no it's fine it's fine I'm like okay and I start asking him his name to kind of bring him in he goes no no I don't want him no no and then as I'm talking more he goes you should really tighten up your setups so he starts noting me from off stage, and I'm like, what the hell? And he goes, but you're really, you look good. And so this guy who's just sitting there watching me, so he's telling me this, but here's the thing. I'm telling this joke that I do about growing up poor and white, and so we don't, we didn't get to believe in Santa. Um, and so the joke is, uh, it was good because I, when my friends found out Santa wasn't real, I was there for them and they were there for me when I found out Jesus wasn't real. <laughs> so I go, I was there when they found out Santa wasn't real. And the woman in the back who was outing this guy for having a gun starts yelling, no, 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 don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. And starts plugging her ears and going, la, 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 la. And I thought she was going to do it for like a second as a joke. But for the entire time that I spoke, she did that. And that's the only show that I've ever actually walked off during. I was just like, I'm done. I gave Jeremiah Coughlin. He was hosting. I was like, I, that's it. That's the only show in the years I've been doing this that I've ever not completed a set and just walked off and been like, we're done. So, cause I got offered meth I, and trout dick afterward. <laughs> <laughs> 
he hey, come- while you were on stage, you were offered meth? Yeah. I said something about meth, and the guy's like, do you need some? <laughs> and I was like, no. He's like, okay, well, let me know. And I was like, I don't need it. And then Trout Dick comes up and shakes my hand afterward, and I burned it <laughs> off. Oh, oh dear God. So that was my worst show. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> but that that's such an odd chain of events yeah. coming together. It was a fever dream. So Next bad. question. Do you have another one? Oh, well, another worst gig? Yeah. Did you think of one? I don't know. I'm pretty sure no. that Wichita Bar and Grill right. really did me in. Next one. Best gig ever. Best gig ever. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to compare them when they're on like that plateau of like a dynamite gig. It's hard like whenever you just have um, a room that's like filled with people, standing room only. Alright, let me put it this thing. way. Um you can break it down until one of a couple of different stories. Um, somebody that you performed with or in the same show as, like one of your idols or something like that, um, in the sense of audience, like what is the biggest audience yeah. that you've ever played? Uh, what is the venue that you've always wanted to play? I did... Uh, something like that. I think one of my favorite shows, I got a weekend, and this was in San Diego, my first paid full weekend club gig hosting, and it was for Matt Bronger, and I do this show, and up front... Um, I, it was sold out. It was great. It was such a great weekend. And during one of the shows up front, there's this group of women who sits down and they're all just very gorgeous. And I do, I did this bit and I forget what the bit was, but basically part of it was me looking into the audience, finding a, a woman and, um, saying like basically being self-deprecating about like my ability to date or something. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a joke to it, but, um, so I do this joke and it falls completely flat. And the woman that I'm staring right at is looking at me just like, okay, let's move on here. And, uh, but it was, it was five shows, uh, that particular weekend. So I guess it's more than one show, but this show season, I get off stage, she comes up and then she starts hitting on me. We ended up like dating for a little bit after that, (laughs) which was the best. Cause what I've realized is when she came up and was talking to me, and normally where I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to say. I just realized I was like, I was up there for 10 minutes talking about my dick and my ex-girlfriend for 10 minutes. So what am I going to say that's going to put her off? Yeah. And and it was great. So I, I that, that was my that was one of my best weekends. That And then I got to open for Doug Stanhope one time. And it was just packed and fun and awesome. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. So. That's cool. <laughs> what was yours? Uh I like the first thing that comes to mind. I've, like I've done a lot of really cool shows in Portland, but like my favorite show that I ever did was definitely like Amy Miller's show Midnight Mass yeah. at Funhouse. Like that place is packed. Like pretty much every time that wasn't you do too it. Long ago, was it? I've done it twice now, and I can't really decide which one looks <laughs> like better. Yeah, I had a. It's just this room that's like packed with people and you just have to I you don't I like I'm I'm sort of still new to doing it so I don't really get uh put up too late so I don't get a whole lot of time so I like when I did her show I was like I had like five minutes and it was like every sentence of the joke was just getting this like wave of people like laughing and I was like okay I only have so much time here 
like you gotta stop laughing so I can finish the joke and that's a really good problem to have <laughs> and that really uh I'm just glad I got to do that is it like I feel like I'm never gonna forget that yeah nice that was uh I've done it twice and I feel like both times were just as a great show to do mm-hmm. if you get asked to do that show it is uh <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's standing room only. Yeah, everybody's huddled around. It, it doesn't really matter what the other performers did or anything. If you have like a lot of laughs with a room that's just packed full of people, there's no there's nothing like that. And Amy Miller runs that show. What a great fucking show. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, we'll wrap it up. With this one. <clears throat> this is the most open-ended joke out of all of them. Um, what, and you can interpret this question however you want. Mm-hmm. What is your definition of success? And where are you currently in relation <laughs> to that? There's no such thing, and I'm nowhere close. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could drop the mic on that one. There's no, there's no such fucking thing as a career, and uh, I'm definitely not close to having anything like that. So, I'd say success is being able to support yourself solely on doing comedy, and I am uh, in comedy poverty. In that case, I. I'm far away from that. But I would call that success. I would say success is I paid my rent with it. Right now, I've been able to buy burritos, <laughs> which I think is just as good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd say success is just supporting yourself. It's like you go, this Definitely is what I really want more delicious live. than paying rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sleeping in a going like, a joke bought me this time versus, <laughs> no, that's it. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a couple of nobodies <laughs> that's 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 it <laughs> alright alright we're going to too much fun alright um, <laughs> if you want to be successful Fuck you. <laughs> Stupid motherfucking piece you of shit. You malnourished her piece of shit. <laughs> I love oh. I love the Nuggets. That was a, that was a, that's a car joke. Yeah. <laughs> totally on the inside. <laughs> um, you can laugh. So America. Twitter, I'll let Facebook, you. Instagram. Uh, <laughs> at Twitter's at Chase Brockett. Facebook at Chase Brockett. And Instagram is uh, my name also. All right. My name is Ben Harkins. <laughs> my Twitter handle is the Ben Harkins. The <laughs> Ben Harkins. There was another Ben Harkins who got to just the reg. <laughs> he just took ev- over everything. He got BenHarkins.com. 
<laughs> I am never gonna have that. So the Ben Harkins on Twitter. You can add me as a Facebook friend. You can come to my shows. <laughs> you really you could you could promote. You could share his weed. <laughs> you you can find me on the internet. <laughs> So this that's what we're doing, right? <laughs> I don't know you yet. A stranger a stranger's just a friend you haven't met. Yeah. You know, it's like inspiring like that. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke weed every day. Get fucked up. Ben, Get I, I fucked wanna up. I wanna sleep so hard right now. <laughs> it's getting late. It is so late. It's like three in the morning. Yeah. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, let's get Smoke out of here. weed. No, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Day. All we have to do is stop talking and yeah. we can end this. Okay. Well, like, you know what? That's fine. Smoke weed. Can we record five Every more? fucking day. Motherfuckers. Get shit faced. But you know what? <laughs>